I don't know why that wasn't working, but uh, it's working now. Good afternoon. <laughs> you know, you press a button and it looks at you like, I'm not going to do that. Uh, it's, I'll fix it. How you doing? Uh, good afternoon. This is OneRadioNetwork.com. My name is Patrick Timpone, and uh, we are live here. Happy Memorial Day, the, um, whatever day this is. And we're going to have a good show for you this afternoon. We're starting a little bit late because of the holiday. And, uh, and uh, uh, we've been looking forward to talking with our guest, Dr. Peter Bregan. If you'd like to join the show, you can do it. 888-663-6386. Email patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Dr. Peter Bregan is a, a psychiatrist, and I can often use them here, but, you know, it's a long story. He's got a new book that he and his wife worked, check this out, 18 months, like 8 to 12 hours every day uh, on this book called COVID-19 and the Global Predators, Where We Are the Prey. You can go to, on to wearetheprey.com. His uh, website is bregan.com. He has written 20 books. His wife worked on uh, many of those with four of those 20 books. He, his, I was looking at his bio this morning, uh, and it's so long that if I read the bio, we couldn't do a show. I mean, this guy is just didn't fall off the turnip truck, I'll tell you that. And uh, so we're going to talk to him. Dr. Bregan, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for doing such a nice uh, uh, page on the book on your website. Oh, much sure. appreciated. <laughs> it's, it's our, you know, when you, when you work 18, 18 months on a book, it's kind of nice to sell a few, right? I mean, you know. We have sold 100,000 copies. Is that right? Um, Is that right? Yeah, we thought we would uh, sell them out of the garage. I, this book <laughs> was so controversial that the mo- almost all my books were published by major publishers, but we knew at this point there was no chance of that, and um, mm. we weren't even sure about working with uh, a publisher that might be more favorable to the book because uh, we wanted complete control over it. There's just so much uh, nonsense and destructiveness and censorship going on around COVID-19. So we decided to make it our first uh, big book that we would uh, publish ourselves. We thought we'd sell 500 out of the garage, you know, (laughs) move the car somewhere else. And um, within a week or two, uh, months ahead of time, it sold a thousand copies one one weekend. So we knew we better uh, get somebody else to handle the the, uh, sending out of the books. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, so Ginger did full became full time publisher and um, and got it all organized and we've sold over a hundred thousand now and we've given away several thousand because we're eager to to get it out. Uh, we did something very unusual. I, I, I've stopped talking about it because we're past that date. But when we realized this was going to take us at least six months more than we thought to get the book out seven months and um, we already had it on on pre-sale and people were buying it we started to give out the manuscript in its current form every time somebody bought it and um and so people were getting the manuscript months and months ahead of time and the manuscript was floating around and changing you know as we we would uh, change it we'd send it out again um Uh to the people who had already bought the book and I think that may have protected us. One of my ideas was that um, 
you know, um, they, if they try to harm us in some way, let's, let's flood the world with the unpublished manuscript first. I think that'll make it harder for them because <laughs> so, they don't want to make a bestseller out of the book before yeah. it even comes out. So where, where did, let's talk about a few of the things that um, why you didn't feel like a big big publisher would would go for it. I mean, I mean, talk about well, that. I mean, what what, yeah. what would they what would they be afraid of, Doctor Bragan? Well, the big the the book became the biggest dive into the global predators who are really behind COVID nineteen. And who uh, we were not, we were definitely not someone you would call conspiracy theorists. Uh -huh. um, we we were not much in touch with the folks who were predicting uh, globalism taking over the world. Um, I've been, you know, I've testified in court over a hundred times in the U.S. and Canada, federal and state, and you don't do that kind of thing. I publish medical books, uh, 60 scientific articles. You don't do that if you're too much over yes, sir. the edge. And we didn't go over we didn't go over the edge. We took them head on the way they were and I was testifying in court against the drug companies so I had huge background in the fraud and the um, shenanigans behind the drug companies so I was very very well aware of that. But I hadn't dared take the next step to say that you're just looking at a microcosm of the world. I kept thinking, well, psychiatry, my profession, I know it's completely corrupt. It's based on false premises that that uh, human suffering is biological in origin and genetic in origin. And I knew it was a part of human life yes, sir. and was actually inevitable and that we had to grow strong and have good ideas and have faith and have courage uh, to live well. And that that psychiatry never talked about faith, courage, or love, <laughs> and so I had I that was pretty radical. You know, I was a psychiatrist, first one probably in history to just utterly analyze and dismiss a lot of this, and um, uh, that was as far as we were going as as I went, and I was testifying in court and finding out the degree of corruption behind the concept of clinical trials, which were really just showpieces for marketing marketing and promoting mm -hmm. drugs they were not scientific but we didn't go into a is the whole world like this um but not very deeply we thought some about it we wondered about capitalism you know it certainly wasn't working on the level of the drug companies um so we had the skills we had the ability to look deeply but we hadn't decided to take on all of that, nor were we uh, necessarily going to do that when we started COVID-19. And the book took us there. I mean, we started out with a simple question like, who is Anthony Fauci? And he was clearly a fraud. Anybody who's a scientist like myself and has published a lot of papers knows that anybody who says, I am the science <laughs> or I'm the authority in science is trying to cheat you out of something. And... Uh, is certainly not representing either either the facts, the truth, or your self-interest, the people he's talking to. And then we we um, we started to come up with different facts, but we thought to ourselves, look, we've spent our whole lives under attack. At the point I was 83 years old, maybe six now, Ginger's at 15 years uh, younger than me, and so she's a mature lady too. 
And we're looking and we're knowing that, that we have been through hell already, uh, so much so they haven't bothered us in years. They've gone after our license and we're, thanks to Ginger's tremendous media abilities, we beat the heck out of them. <laughs> they th- they've gone after our lives. They threatened us. And we had, we had survived the 90s uh, of taking on psychiatry as a medical expert. I'd been the medical expert for all the combined lawsuits against Eli Lilly on Prozac. So I'd been through this wow. enormous mill. And I had just begun to wonder about, it's like God's hand, I had just begun to wonder about the um, drug companies making these uh, vaccines. I didn't know much about vaccines. So I decided to explore just before COVID-19. And I actually published a scientific paper on you know, raising the question of what do the what kind of harm do the MR, MMR vaccines do? And I came to the conclusion that uh, they were doing a lot of neurological harm to the brain and it was being totally covered up and we couldn't even determine how much. And it wasn't about whether the vaccines worked or didn't work. I had a very narrow focus. What's the establishment doing about the MMR vaccine? And I found out that they were as corrupt about the MMR vaccine as they'd been about psychiatry, psychiatric drugs. So, so our heads are spinning a little bit and we're thinking, do we want to take on a group that may be even nastier? We're just thinking of the vaccine people yes, sir. that are nastier than we thought. Yes, sir. And we're thinking, I don't know. <laughs> and I actually, I, you, you like this. I actually had a moment where I imagined going before God the pearly gates, not that my theology includes those um, kind of um, little bits of mythology, but I <laughs> going to God in pearly gates and trying to explain to him why I didn't use my skills to examine COVID-19. Oh, and what, <laughs> did, big, what did Big G he say? Didn't, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't accept any of my excuses. Okay, he wasn't buying that one, right? No, I understand. And then Ginger brought me a paper, <laughs> and this is a good way to tell the story of the book and, it's, and the story of what's going on right now. It's going on right okay. now in many many ways it it even enlightens what's going on with uh, uh you know the russian dictator mm-hmm. uh and what where he stands in relation to globalism we can talk about that a little bit i mean it explains a lot of what goes on in the world but we were not into that at the moment so um uh, Ginger brings me this paper and this is in march of 2020 so she has found and it is so out of whack with everything that the news is saying, that the big you know, TV is saying, and, and it's so out of whack with what Fauci is saying. And so she brings me the paper thinking, is, could this be a forgery? Well, I've looked at too many scientific papers, you know, so I could look at that and say, no, honey, this is, this is right out of Nature Medicine. It's one of the biggest journals, one of the most respected journals in the world out of Great Britain. And the headline of this 2015 paper, you got to see it in the setting. At this point, they're saying anybody who says that China makes COVID, made the COVID-19 virus, SARS-CoV-2, you know, is a crazy conspiracy. Mm -hmm. And there's this scientific paper. And it's got on it a whole bunch of names we didn't know yet um, from um, American research down in Chapel Hill. It's got an FDA person on the paper. And it's got a, uh, a Harvard person on the paper, but it's mainly Chapel Hill, North Carolina, University of North Carolina. And, and the list of authors includes two Chinese names we don't recognize, 
One was the top researcher at the Wuhan Institute, and the other is the famous bat lady who was always going into the caves right. and finding the bats and bringing out the, they call her the bat woman. That's more woke. The bat woman, you know. More woke. <laughs> more woke. Not quietly woke. I guess bat bat. It'd be a bat person, right, if it's really woke. Bat- <laughs> so, okay. so we're looking at this, and the headline of the paper says... <clears throat> that they're making SARS-CoV viruses. SARS-CoV, not, not, you know, the thing. They're actually making them collaboratively between the United States and China. And nobody has mentioned this paper, and it wasn't hard to find. Major Journal, Ginger found it very quickly in her work, her research. And um, it's like stunning. How can we be staring at a paper that nobody wants to admit exists? And then we look at the back of the paper, and uh, I see this, you know, funded by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. And, you know, we're just learning. Isn't that Fauci's place? Fauci, who's telling us that the Chinese couldn't have made the thing, is funding research. And they've already been making SARS-CoV viruses in their labs for years and making it with us. And then we found another paper that was a follow-up paper, and this one didn't have the Chinese people on it, so I look at it, and then the acknowledgments, they're, th- they're thanking the bat lady um, for sending them materials on the spike protein. So that's how closely hmm. they're working on making SARS-CoV viruses. And it's like we don't even know how many. And then as we got into it further and uh, and Fauci's warning about, oh, we're going to have another emergence of this disease, this disease, you know, we've got the reason why we were funding the research, when, you know, what all comes out, the reason we were funding the research was because we have to get vaccines for the SARS-CoV. And so I look a little deeper into it, and all, all this is kind of in progression in the book, and we find out that there's never been a proven emergence from nature for a SARS-CoV virus. There's one questionable one, the epidemic of 2003-04, which was a SARS-CoV virus, went around the world, didn't reach the U.S., recorded 8,000 infections, 800 deaths, 10% fatality, a serious virus, but stopped, never reached the U.S. And uh, we realized that starting right then, China is having leaks from its labs. But 2003-4, which is the, when the virus hits, it hits in 2003, maybe the end of two. By 3-4, they're recording four separate episodes of escapes of the virus by infecting workers at the Beijing lab. They didn't have a Wuhan lab then. And we're thinking, well, the evidence is in favor of a release causing this not an emergence from nature and again nobody's discussing it and then we start looking some more and people are there's mentions about bill gates and people are saying well he doesn't know fauci they don't work together and so on and we see that in 2010 which is 10 years before the outbreak 10 whole years bill gates is announcing the decade of vaccines. Now, that may not 
shock a lot of people but folks decades of the brain decades that's that's governments do that congresses do that not private entrepreneurs who want to make a fortune by announcing that the next decade guys is going to be about vaccines come give me billions i'm working on this i'm working with the drug companies um it was it was a shock and that was another shock to find out that two years later by 2012 He'd gotten the UN General Assembly to approve working with his theory of, which is essentially um, the, uh, the, the the theory of Klaus Schwab that he's putting forward mm-hmm. um, about the Great Reset of getting the UN to work with drug companies and corporations. Um, in a way that is really fascism. And it was interesting because I, I found a very left-wing progressive supporter of the UN who was complaining that the UN was moving away from Marx and leftism to fascism by working <laughs> with Bill Gates back in 2012. And then through a series of events, which are sort of like, I don't even know why my fingers are flying that way. But in the back of my head is plans, plans, plans. And I'm up in the middle of the night thinking plans. And all of a sudden, I find the master plan. And the master plan literally exists for COVID-19. It's in the book. It's on my website. Uh, so in case they, you know, they take it down from their websites. And what it is, is that In 2015 and 16, Bill Gates, working with multiple drug companies, working with the FDA, the CDC, and the the, lesser-known group called BARDA, which was the center of the whole emergency release program, another agency under HHS, along with Health and Human Services, along with the FDA and the CDC, that that, uh, he brought all these people together Oh, and by the way, he in 2010 made Anthony Fauci one of his five or six member International Vaccine Committee. Uh-huh. It wasn't the exact name of it. It was a global consultation committee or something. It's in the book. But so he's working with Fauci 10 years ahead of time, putting him on this big committee along with people, two people from the UN, some few other people from around the world. And in this plan... It's set up to sell billionaires. It's a business plan. It's called the SEPI Preliminary Business Plan. And SEPI is just one more of these alphabet um, organizations that he set up back in 2015 to bring together billionaires, the World Health Organization, these other people I've been mentioning, he got all of our alphabet agencies involved, the FDA, CDC, BARDA, um, to prepare for the COVID-19. And by 2017, he's working really closely with Johns Hopkins and with the Harvard School of Public Health. And by 2018, 17, excuse me, way ahead of what most people realize, people are mostly aware of uh, of the uh, 2019 where they brought together mm-hmm. that they what do they call that the 101 thing yeah 
Event, event um, 201? Event 201. Event 201. Yeah. That was 2019 where they, they're, they're hunting a coronavirus on tabletop war. And people said, and this is just two months before the release. And uh-huh. people are saying, gee, look at this. Well, Hopkins was writing about it. We found in 2017 in a big handout that mm. uh, went along with the, all the work they're doing. They're building up mammothly for this. And in the in this, uh, and the reason why no one had ever seen the CEPI uh, uh, preliminary business plan was it was intended as a business plan. It was probably sent to the heads of the pharmaceutical companies, to the billionaires they knew, to get them involved in this huge financial investment for something that didn't yet exist, a wow. vaccine and an epidemic. Isn't that amazing? The entire thing was a planned event. Just the whole plan. thing was a planned event. Just the whole there, thing. by 2015, I have videos that I cite in the book. I have videos in 2015-16 where... Uh, Bill Gates is smirkingly talking about, and of course we're doing these DNA vaccines. No, he's he, he he gets a question from the audience. It's a a favored um, press conference. We, it's, it's why a lot of people haven't seen it. a few thousand, maybe twenty thousand people that ever noticed it. But it's all his favorite uh, media people, and it's at, of course, uh, Klaus Schwab's uh, Davos meetings. <laughs> I mean, working with Schwab way back when. <laughs> and on it, somebody from the audience says, um, where is he from? I think he might have been from science. He's from one of the, no, New England Journal of Medicine. He says, um, and I hear it's about DNA vaccines. Mm. And, and you know, Bill Gates gets that little smirk he has. It's so famous. And and he turns and he smirks with his co-partner, co, uh, I don't remember his name, who was up there with him at the time, but, oh, boy, where it's getting around kind of thing. So Gates at that point began to talk about that he was doing DNA and RNA vaccines. They'd never been done before. And if you go and look at the 2015 paper that I told you about, it has all the information you need to know for the fact that they knew what they were doing. They knew they were going to kill people. This was so hard for me. We were two-thirds of the way into the book before I finally said, Ginger, it's planned. Hmm. They knew they were going to kill a lot of people with the vaccine. She said, honey, I thought you got that right. <laughs> I thought you knew that, dear. <laughs> I didn't know oh, that part. Uh, it's, guys, it's nice to have girls around the house. Dr. Peter oh Bregan is God. with us. Uh, Bregan.com. You can also go to wearethepray.com, which is a kind of a subtitle of his book, and COVID-19 and the Global Predators, We Are the Prey. He's also doing some work with America Out Loud, and you can go there and look at some of his latest blogs, and he's talking about the WHO that we're going to talk to uh, Thomas Renz tomorrow about, and Dr. Bregan's done some work with, with Thomas Renz. So, I mean, as an MD, I guess it's, it was hard for you to come to the point where there was just a bunch of psychopaths wanting to kill people. I mean, it had to be kind of a, a big deal for you. I mean, for us all, right? But us tinfoil hatters, we've, we've kind of, you know, us conspiracy guys, we've kind of talked about this stuff for years. But, you know, you, didn't, you, never, yeah. you never went down that that path before. I never went down no. that path. Yeah. Now, I knew things, like I knew, for example, <clears throat> that when Eli Lilly, the drug company, found out that 
Prozac was causing violence and suicide and murder. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that, and I, I was also an expert in some of the key, uh, oh, the kennel is howling over there. <laughs> um, that um, I, I knew that, that they didn't care. I knew that they then went to work with the FDA to ho- cover up the murder and the suicide, yes, testified this stuff in court. I mean, they couldn't impeach me in court. They couldn't deny what I was saying in court. Look, the FDA was meeting in the morning on such and such a date ahead of time before the, anybody would see them coming in and out with, the, with, with these people. We have the memos about it covering up uh, the fact that this was having cocaine-like effects on some people mm-hmm. and driving them to terribly violent crimes, including um, the... Um, uh, killings at uh, Columbine, which yes, rings sir. a bell for the current killings. We we don't know that that the the man who's done the current murders was uh, on psychiatric drugs. He was clearly a disturbed youngster, but we don't know if he had any psychiatric contacts yet. As of this morning, I don't believe we don't know. But so I was into all of that, and I knew that they would overlook things. But but when I saw the 2015 paper and saw a that in all the years they'd been working, they had never successfully made a vaccine for COVID-19. They didn't really know that they could because it mutated. Mm -hmm. The coronavirus has mutated too much. And when I learned that the 10% of the common cold was, at least, was uh, caused by coronaviruses, and they still could have made a fortune uh, um, doing a vaccine for that, but they couldn't get one because it mutates just like we've discovered now. But also that that if you gave um, um, COVID, if you gave SARS-CoV, which we're calling it then, if you gave SARS-CoV to, to rats and then you gave them the vaccine, some of them were killing the rats, especially if they already had the inflamed system. Mm-hmm. Uh, in their bodies, uh, these cytokine storms that are so destructive, they're caused by both the um, COVID-19 diseases and they're caused by the um, same spike protein that your body's forced to make by the vaccines. Yes, sir. Um, so, I mean, it was like, it seemed like it, that this was, what they, they knew this, they knew this all along. And I think the final thing was finding, again, this is in the book, um, um, COVID-19, The Global Predators. And by, and by the way, the web, the website that you're kindly mentioning, the um, um, wearetheprey.com, the value of that is you can bypass Amazon and the other giant institutions, and uh, you can um, go directly to us and buy the book directly from oh, cool. us and you discount. get a better deal you get a discount we get a better deal and we are the you prey. get a better deal we mm-hmm. bypass the uh, mm-hmm. them but you can get it on amazon you can also get the um the uh ebook on amazon if if you like and and it's at a greatly reduced rate there we don't we don't sell that off our website and you're going to move so, into kind of like what you were saying the final kind of a the final uh, big, thing was um, yeah, we we track all the, you know first of all a lot of mistaken but well-meaning people were saying these vaccines haven't been tested on animals even oh yes they had hmm. and it was a disaster no animal research m- suggested that a vaccine would ever be feasible and the vaccines were causing these terrible 
responses that we would later see as, as a COVID-19 response of inflammatory reactions and blood clotting, the whole works and the animals. Mm-hmm. And then the final blow was a 2020 paper published right at the time that Fauci and so all these other folks are pushing the um, warp speed, Operation Warp Speed. Trump. And this 2020 paper out of a good journal, out of American labs, is saying, don't test this on humans. Wow. It's too dangerous on animals. It's in the book. And I thought to myself, you've got to face it, Peter. They knew exactly what they were doing. And that's why, well, right now we have <clears throat> just about 30,000 reports of death from the vaccines to the CDC and at a, uh, the VAERS system, which is the system for the CDC. Now, I'm an expert on these reporting systems because I had to use them in court and in my medical books and my scientific articles <clears throat> in uh, looking at adverse drug effects, which is, uh, other than being a psychotherapist, my big expert as the physician is, um, is these adverse drug mm-hmm. effects with multiple mm-hmm. books about them, mm-hmm. multiple medical books, best-selling books like Talking Back to Prozac. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, people don't realize, because the numbers that that are bandied about are always so large, that 30,000 reported deaths uh, on a vaccine is a catastrophe beyond proportions or past imaginations. Because in the past, if you even had a threat of deaths from vaccines, or a contaminated vaccine that you thought might harm people, you took it off the market. Yes, sir. Right away. Right. And if you had, uh, in the example of uh, one of, one of the, uh, the swine flu vaccines, it started to, it turned up and it caused 25 cases of neurological disorders. We've, we have thousands of cases reported from these new vaccines. They're not even vaccines, as you know well. Yes, Probably sir. your audience knows they're, yes, they're um, GMO, uh, transhumanistic, make your body, make your own enemies. I'm, I can go into detail on that if sure, you want. But sure. the, um, so we're in this situation where in the past, um, if you had 12 or 15 reports of deaths, uh, the CDC would hold meetings and, eventually, and pull it off the market. The H1N1 vaccine got up to 50 deaths, which was considered a catastrophe, but it had already been taken off the market, and these were just coming in. Um, the total numbers of of, of uh, deaths on an average year from all vaccines before this one, all U.S. vaccines, less than 100 to a little more than 100. Wow. And this hit the tens of thousands quickly. The only way they could so ignore this is they wanted it to happen. Mm. I could find no other explanation. They knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen before the vaccines. I warned about it from the 2015 paper. I wrote blogs about it. I talked on radio and TV in my own radio TV show. I talked about it. Um, that that we're going to get deaths from these vaccines. So I could see it coming. I didn't know the, what the numbers would look like. Um, 
but they knew with certainty they had to have wanted it. And then we'd see these little things about Gates smiling when he when he says, and of course we'd get to, you know, we'd have to get rid of the humans or the carbon dioxide (laughs) kind of things that he would say. And we we knew that all these people were deeply into um, population control. Bill Gates, folks, has a whole section on his website about population control. This is not a figment of somebody's imagination. Yeah. All of these global predators. So we just start, we, the book turned into hmm. much more than a COVID-19 investigation. It turned into the largest, deepest probe ever done into the globalists. Oh, cool. And, um, That's great. And you have, was, a thousand, inter- you have thousands of uh, uh, references and, and 600, yeah. what, almost 700 pages. So 650 you, So you really turn into a, sorry, without respecting, a great uh, tinfoil header towards the end there. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll well, tell you one thing we're very proud of this um, <laughs> is, uh, you know, I, um, and I used to be very progressive when I was young. And yeah. with age, I've become more conservative. Um, Winston Churchill said that if you're you're not a, a, a liberal or a lefty when you're young, you have no heart. And if uh, you're not a conservative when you get older, you have no brain. <laughs> so very, it's just what happened to be. I have to, to be use cliche, that one, yeah. folks. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm a cliche of that regard. And Ginger's always been a conservative. When we got together, I tried to convince her to be a feminist. And I yeah. um, uh, gave her all these feminist books the first year we were That's together hilarious. 40 years ago. And uh, <laughs> she she read them and she, she thought they were really interesting and she thought about them. And she wrote up, interesting, she wrote a college paper. <laughs> she was her first year of college because she couldn't afford to go before she got together with me. So she, got, she gets into college and she gets into a graduate school class because she was so smart and she had all this life experience. So it's her first real class, it's graduate. She writes a paper and she's looking at all the common elements and all the causes that are going on in the world, partly because I've given her all those books to read. And she gets the award for the best paper, the honors paper in the whole American university, her first paper. And it's in graduate school, she hasn't gone to college yet. And, um, uh, but she she got through with it all, and then she said to me, "Honey, I think you're on the wrong track. These yeah. feminists are really these. They don't. They hate men, honey. They, this is not right. <laughs> and I see it in the women I know who are feminists. They're hating men. This is not going to go well for the country." <laughs> Oh, and she was tried. right because boy, that was she the beginning was so of it, right? right? All of this stuff with the family yeah. and and all this woke stuff. And that was back in the eighties. Yeah, that she, oh, kind yeah. Of, she realized it's yeah. about eighty four or five when we first uh, got together. Right. But but before we do a break, uh, I want to ask about, we've heard a lot of different reports, Dr. Bregan, since you have quite a bit of experience with the VAERS, that I've read and several people have said that that there's more than just one VAERS and there's lots of different VAERS reporting systems and the people that do report, uh, um, history has shown it's only like maybe 10%. Uh, I mean, so this number that you quoted, 30,000, is possible it could be a lot larger? Well, it has to be a lot larger, yeah. One of the things, and I used to testify in court about this, uh, about Prozac and other drugs, I'd say if you have one hmm. one uh, suicide reported from uh, Prozac, let's say, it represents somewhere between 10 and 100 actual events. Uh. 
And that's what the studies still continue to show. So if you have 30,000, you got to multiply it somewhere between 10 and 100, which becomes astronomical numbers. And now to begin confirming that, and I'm glad we're talking about deaths because too many shows don't want to talk about the deaths or they just avoid it or it's so awful. Oh, yeah. Um, um, now we have these reports from insurance companies <clears throat> that there are just... Uh, uh, never before seen numbers of deaths being claimed against the insurance companies of relatively young, healthy people, especially men. Um, and the only explanation that, that there is for it is the vaccines. There's no other mammoth event that would explain yeah. for uh, And besides, we, we already have evidence for deaths from vaccines. You combine the evidence for the death. We even know the biological mechanisms of the death. So we got the whole thing put together beautifully, ugly, beautiful. And um, I, it would be, it's going to be at least 300,000 and it could go way up from their deaths from the vaccines. And people like Peter McCullough, mm -hmm. Um, by the way, folks, the book has three introductions from three of the best medical people in the world that I know. And you've probably heard of some of them. Sure. Peter A. McCullough, okay. MD. McCullough is one of the bravest physicians in the history of the world. He, he uh, gave up everything under attack to persist in telling people that there were good, straightforward treatments. And um, he uh, quickly agreed to write an introduction to the book when he read the manuscript, and I would, he didn't know me then. And uh, then we became friends, of course, over the years. And he actually read incantations of the manuscript, and sometimes I'd get into it, something I just wanted to be sure about the vaccines, and he'd say, well, here, put this paragraph in, you can attribute it to me or not. Cool. And I'd put the paragraph in. So Peter McCullough, and then... A person I consider a uh, Hebrew prophet, I'm Jewish, my wife's Christian, um, we're very God-oriented in our thinking every day, every day. And um, uh, that's, again, something later on in life, my 40s probably, that I came to grips with that. I was the class atheist in the 1950s. Oh, that were, took courage. I, I that took courage. I was way yeah. ahead. <laughs> he left the atheist. And it, well, it doesn't get much better than that, man. That's great. <laughs> Oh God! So I try. I was just trying to figure things out, sure, you know, I and I, I worked with what I had. But um, who was the second fellow? I said McCullough. Uh, Zev Zelenko. Zelenko, yeah. Uh, he was the great. first first person to blow the to really say, "Look, we have these treatments. We right. have these treatments. I'm treating hundreds and hundreds of patients." For which he was just very badly treated. We have not been badly treated. In part, I dare them, you know, go ahead, badly treat us. What are you going to do, kill us old people, euthanasia, and you'll make me the best story? My old books will start selling, and the world will see what's going on. Go ahead, go ahead. And and, and you get you get a better seat but, in, the, in the place, too, with, if you're a real martyr, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's right, yeah, just. <laughs> so, and then the third one is Lee Vliet, who is uh, oh, yeah. L-I-E-T, Elizabeth Lee Vliet, MD. She's a wonderful, amazing physician. Uh, all these people are amazing physicians and researchers. And um, uh, Lee has set up a, a great website, truthforhealth.org. Truth for Health. Um, and uh, truthforhealth.org. And uh, McCullough is the um, 
medical director for that. And they have the most up-to-date information on how to treat COVID-19. And they are doing great work. Uh, but one of the things that, oh, I started to say I was most proud of, and that got me into my lefty thing, <laughs> is that um, we sent the book to Bobby Kennedy, Robert uh, F. Kennedy Jr., because he's been very critical sure. of the um, COVID, and he had a book coming out. We yeah. hadn't seen the book yet. Oh, the Fauci book. Didn't really, yeah, yeah, the Fauci book. Yeah, his book his book's very, very good on the real Anthony Fauci. And we thought, you know, he's got a book coming out. He's certainly not going to endorse us. So right as his book was coming out, and which sold a million copies, yeah. we we're up to 100,000. We're just you know, charging a long way behind him there. And and he wrote an endorsement for the book, oh. uh, our book, saying this is the deepest dive into the criminal collaboration behind COVID-19. Wow. So that was like, whoa, these are these people who are working on freedom right now are just amazing human beings. We never met. I want to tell that to the folks. If you get involved in this, find your own niche. If you, first of all, if we don't win the November elections, it's over. I think it could be, it could change the direction of the world, whether or not we win the November elections and change the Senate. And we can talk about that some. Sure. But the World Health Organization right now, <clears throat> we just had a, a a huge battle. We didn't think we could win it, working with a lot of different people. But we were there at the beginning of the, the battle because um, the United States of America in January of this year, 2022, secretly sent to the... Um, World Health Organization, something it dearly wanted, which was amendments to its regulations, which are legally binding on all members. It's international law on its regulations, making Fauci a dictator of the world's global health. And uh, what the amendments specifically did by the United States from our Department of Health and Human Services, which is the top agency, biggest agency in the government, it's the agency above the FDA, above the CDC, and on on and on like that. <clears throat> From the uh, Assistant Director for Global Affairs reporting directly to the head of HHS, this cabal of globalists, um, they sent these amendments in, and, and the amendments did two things. First, they scratched out all the restraints on the behavior of the director general, Tedros, who's a communist thug, who interestingly enough is a favorite of both the Chinese communist head, Xi Jinping, and Bill Gates, oh, sure. who's one of the heads of the global president. Nice combination. Mm -hmm. um, they both put a lot of money. Bill Gates, one of the top contributors. He may be even the highest contributor because he's, he sends money in through different numbers of uh, of um, funds, foundations, and in, in, in. So he's doing it through the through foundations. And Xi Jinping is one of the top contributors as a, as a nation, but he also is the force behind uh, behind um, Xi Xi behind the head yeah. of the of the World Health Organization. And it's all outlined in the book, folks. This is all in the book. Now, what's not in the book is what I'm telling you right now. So um, just a few months ago, the, the first thing they did was they scratched out all the requirements 
that before uh, um, the director general can identify a country as having a health emergency in it with possible global implications, but a health emergency, uh, before he could say, uh, you know, uh, there's a health emergency, mm. we got to get to work and doing something to stop this country from spreading the diseases or the spreading. It could be anything. It could be poverty because that's how wide broad their health definition is. Yeah. So uh, that they, you had to get permission and cooperation, both from the country. Permission and cooperation, as, right. From the country before you could intervene in its affairs by declaring it had a health emergency and then mounting the resources of the world against it. And um, they scratched that out, the Biden administration's four or five places. It's in there, several places anyway. By the way, you can find this, all this material now that I'm talking about by going to my website, our website, gingermanbregan.com, but you can get there really easily by something else you can remember. Go to 123newsflash.com. Okay. 123, and you will see all the articles on the World Health Organization. 123newsflash.com. So, where do we stand right now with this WHO thing? I mean, as it stands right now, um, no, they were they were voted last week. They were supposed to vote last week, and we were pretty sure we didn't have enough time. I mean, I I was on like um, Steve Bannon's uh, yeah. war room maybe three four times because there was this urgency, and uh, we wrote several things, and we uh, we worked with many other people on on this, and including um, we got in touch with. We called Steve Renz and. I mean, uh, uh, Tom Rent, Tom the Rent, lawyer, attorney, yeah. whom we know well, and, and we talked to Tom, and he started to look into it. Tom, we are going to have him on, concluded there was nothing that could be done unless they passed it. In, <clears throat> in our Senate and House here in, in this country, correct? That nobody, yeah, our Senate, our, no, nothing mm -hmm. legally could be done. And also, very, uh, most likely, our Senate couldn't have done anything about it because um, it is not officially under international law, a treaty, it's regulations, it's in-house regulations of something we've already approved of, which is the UN and, and its agency, the World Health Organization. So, um, I mean, there you are, you, you, you really don't have it as it's not a treaty. So, Renz thought that he could try to intervene once it got... Um, well, we'll see what he says when he's on yeah, your show. Yeah, he, 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 thought, he thought he could try to intervene afterward, but it would be difficult. So, and, so right now, is so the WHO, what's now? They're, just, they're just putting out uh, what they would call a treaty, but it's really right now just would be a mandate, Dr. Bregan. It, there's no, it would be empowering. Well, first of all, we defeated them. So let me get to that, because okay. then there's another threat coming along. And I'll tr do this real quick. Right. All right. So they got so intimidated by all the folks. Mm. Uh, once, once one senator even put in a um, legislation against it. Yeah, Rand Paul and, uh, has been talking about it again. And Rand Paul was yeah. talking about it. And uh, people were getting interested in it. They often didn't have the information quite straight, but it was sure. brand new. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> uh, and so what they did was really interesting. They kept the amendments by the same name, by the same main sponsor, the United States, 
by the same 47 co-sponsors that included places like India and Great Britain, mm. Switzerland, South Korea, and the entire EU, in, which is such a globalist, yeah, boy, it's, corrupt it's place. Swampy, yeah. That's the whole, that's the government of, the, of Europe. See, yes, they're sir. very globalist, they're government of Europe. So it kept all that in place, but took out all the amendments that would have changed things dramatically. For the worst <laughs> or the best, what are they... I, I want to understand. They took the things out. They cleansed out. it. Oh, they, they cleansed, cleansed it. They cleansed and it. And never acknowledged the existence, which fortunately we have on, you know, linked to, uh, the existence of the original American amendments. Interesting. They may believe it never happened. And that's a very clever sleight of hand. Yeah. The major media has, by the way, covered none of this. No. You want to know how corrupt the major media is, how globalist they are. They haven't. They have never covered either the threat or the re rejection by the who. Now, while while this was going on with the amendments, who was uh, already working on something? This is why people get so confused about it. Working on making treaties, and it was going to call the treaties agreements and declarations, but these were treaties. Again, binding under law, and these the Senate should, if it had any courage, when when these come when these are made around the world, it should be able to say no. When the Biden administration, and if we don't if we don't have look, if folks, if we do not have a very strong conservative Republican Senate, Biden will sign this treaty. God's sakes, he put in the equivalent already as amendments to the constitutional regulations. Yes, sir. Yeah. So the treaties are going to give, going to make the World Health Organization, and this is their language, the guiding, coordinating authority on global health. Oh, that sounds good to me. So what could go wrong? Could We're going to have a UN agency run by China and supported by Bill Gates that will be entirely in charge of universal health care. Basically, if you have anything serious going on, in which case they can call it an emergency. Hmm. And, um, and you know, if it's going to... And, and they make so clear, by the way, and I... Uh, uh, they make so clear, and I make... I, by the way, you, you'll see, hopefully by tonight, up on my, on 123newsflash.com, yeah. you'll see this new report of mine, but you'll also see it right now up on, I'm uh, sorry for the complications, you'll see it right now up on uh, America Out Loud. And I quote, I quote uh, uh, Tedros talking about what is the health arena. And for him, the health arena is everything. It's fairness, it's justice, it's employment, it's education. It's anything that could affect your, you personally, psychologically, socially. I mean, it's... Anything. And this is not unrealistic. Our health is affected by everything that goes on in the world. But that didn't mean that some health dictator should run it, sure. should run the world. Yeah, sure. But that's the goal. And... Um, these these things are going to be presented over the next months as agreements or declarations or other cooperative efforts between in nations who are willing to sign on. Now, um, 
if you wonder what nations are willing to sign on, this is very, very similar to what the uh, amendments were saying and who signed on to the amendments. So I'll repeat it again. The United States wrote the amendments and sent them in. It gathered together uh, 10 nations plus all of the EU, which is um, 12 or 15. No, it's 27 nations. I think there were 37 or 40. I don't know. You get mixed up on numbers, but you'll find it all in there. But among the nations that the U.S. got individually to sign on to the amendments, again, include Great Britain, Ireland, Hmm. Switzerland, that is independent nation that doesn't sign on to things. India, which has been at war with the WHO in so many ways. You'd think, you know, they wouldn't do this. Uh, our ally in um, in South Korea, and then a number of uh, nations uh, from South America. They couldn't get in the African nations. I think maybe the African nations are beginning to catch on. Yeah, they really are. That all this stuff about, oh, we're doing this, all this for the poor nations is BS. Maybe yeah. they're catching on. Yeah, yes, sir. But of course, they run some of them by awful dictators, so who knows. But, and then all the uh, EU nations. And China... Uh, China uh, is staying completely out of it. Oh, really interesting. And Russia? They're not saying a word. Russia? Not, but of course, they control this. Russia's staying completely out of it. Well, so, so you say that China's behind this WHO thing, and Russia too? I don't know where Russia yeah. is. Um, Russia, Ch- let, me, let me talk a minute about Russia and China, because it's an interesting situation. But people are trying to say, oh, these things are to stop China from another release like it did because then the who would be able to go right into China and oh, do I something. See. That's what they're arguing that they would That's st- the argument. Yeah, yeah China's never going to let anybody in. Come on, no. They would love something that got America and all the other nations to let in who. They're never going to do it. That's why until very recently China just loves signing on to all of these um treaties about global warming because it got all the western democracies to destroy their industries where they went on being the greatest emitter of smog in the world and are continuing right now to build something like a a, a new a new coal burning facility a, a week or something like that so China's happy to get us imposing all kinds of things on his list and even agreeing to some of them uh, and standing by and chuckling because they don't agree to any of this stuff. They're, they don't, nobody can touch China. Yeah. And the globalists, by the way, folks, and this is something that's in the book and I never thought I'd ever say anything like this in my whole life. Every globalist we looked at, Michael Bloomberg, who's a big one, there's big national conferences. Mm-hmm. Guess who co-sponsors? China. Really? And guess what Bloomberg did after Trump seemed to have lost the election? He held a virtual international conference, and it, he continued to have it co-sponsored by a Chinese Communist Party affiliate. And he still had the Chinese talk in there, and he still was saying, we got we to gotta invest in China and recouple with China. The globalists hated the decoupling from China that Trump was doing. Because they make their money in China. They literally, people like Gates are defending China against the U.S. Read the book. I could not believe all the top tech companies are more favorable to 
with China than the U.S. And many of them will go in there and make money supporting the horribly oppressive, enslaving technological control that China puts on the Chinese people. They make money for it. They get power for it. And the Chinese, they've written about this, the Chinese, they are so smart. All they have to do is smile and give out some corrupt money and the Americans suck up like puppies at a tit. I mean, it's that bad. Yeah, it's really- That's what's going on, folks. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's grave misfortune. I really get so impassioned, but I'm so tired of it. This gray, this is all documented in COVID-19, okay. the global predators, in a very quiet, scientific way. It's not an impassioned book like until I get to the end and talk about freedom <laughs> in the last time. Yeah, that good well, we'll talk about that stuff, too. Let's take a little break here, Dr. Bregan. Uh, Peter Bregan is with us. It's an honor to have you here, sir. My name is Patrick Timpone. This is OneRadioNetwork.com. We're going to give you all the different links here. So not to worry, we'll also put them in the show page notes that Lynn does for us. So you can have all these little hot links. You can go to his website, to We Are The Prey, to 123newsflash.com. Um, a, lot, a lot of different things. You know, we're getting pretty geeky. but And then get the book at wearetheprey.com. It's called COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We Are The Prey. And you can get that in a, a good deal uh, because you bypass all the all the globalist folks and all of that stuff. This is, excuse me, this is one of our favorite products, and this is from Survival Colostrum, one of the best things ever for your tummy. Really? For my first meal of the day, I like to make a blended drink, and I'm always basing my blended drinks around colostrum. Colostrum adds so much creamy flavor and texture that if you don't have it, smoothies start to seem a little bit watery to me. Now I'm gonna be combining it with a bunch of other ingredients, but it really is the all-star. Colostrum has so many health benefits. Probably it's best known for its effects on the immune system. There's actually an article in PubMed showing colostrum to be three times more effective against flu and flu symptoms than flu vaccines are even in high-risk patients. It's incredible for fighting flu and other viral type infections. It's also really good for building lean muscle mass. In fact, it contains all 89 of the known mammalian growth factors. It's also very good for the gut lining. So people who suffer from things like Crohn's, IBS, uh, leaky gut syndrome, a lot of those folks are using colostrum in the regenerative process to heal and restore their gut lining. And one of the things I love about it is that it's a complete food. So colostrum contains everything a mammal needs to thrive. It contains all of the essential amino acids. It contains all of the essential lipids or fats. It contains all of the essential glyconutrients. Those are essential sugars that we need for our immune function. So it's got all of that and all those growth factors, which means this is really a complete food for human beings or for any other mammals. Tastes great. It's got the fuel I need to get through the day, and it's got all those added health benefits thanks to the colostrum too. Dr. Bregan, we're gonna do another commercial, but I wanna ask you a question. You can just shake your head, please, because I don't know. Were you able to hear that commercial? Were you, oh, that commercial was on. Did you hear the audio commercial? I'm sorry, let me, let me. On that commercial about colostrum, could you hear I, that? I can't hear it. Yes, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. No, I can. Um, 
Could you hear the commercial that we just played? No. You couldn't? Interesting. No. Okay. I could see it. You could see it. I yeah. Guess. There, there's something that we got messed up there because uh, you should have been able to hear it, but we're good. Can, can you hear me yes, now? Yes, sir. We're Pat? good. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Well, listen Well, listen to me for a minute. Yeah. Um, I don't want to stay on too much longer. I've got a busy day. Okay. Well, so, then let's forget the other commercial. Let's get back to you and get you on. I don't mind you doing another commercial, but nah, just we, maybe for 10 minutes next. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll do it. We'll just, you know, I don't care about it. Yeah, know. let's tie it up. Yeah, let's it's tie it up. It's a great show. I'm really getting a lot of stuff across. I think shorter is better. And my day actually begins at, at 1 o'clock. So I've got to, I'll be going until 9 tonight. Yeah, you'll be going. So, um, so let's see. I, let me ask a few questions here. With everything that you've learned in um, uh, writing this book for 18 months, uh, do, you, do you think there's a big deal for people that have only had one injection or do two or three or four? It appears the people that I know, I've known a few, have had one a year ago and they seem fine. Um, but what do you think? Uh, do, do we know? Do we know? No, we don't know. Um, just the, uh, when they were pushing these these uh, through these uh, these fake um, vaccines, yes, because sir. they really are, they really are DNA and RNA experiments, and they could possibly change the human DNA too. There are um, transferases that uh, that just that work in the body that can go back and, and influence the actual DNA and the nuclei. Uh-huh. Um, and that's a, that's a risk. It's happened with the COVID. No, we don't know. At the, it was very ironic. Um, at the time that this, this thing was getting rushed through, another vaccine was approved after 20 years of research. Wow. 20 years versus a couple of months, a few months. Hmm. So the only way on something as unpredictable as these vaccines, which are not vaccines, and they're in a totally different category. Moderna's vaccines made by a company that never had a product before. Mm -hmm. Never had a product. And by the way, that was all prearranged. Moderna and Pfizer were prearranged, you see it in the book, to be the vaccines approved in the US. It was all set up. It was all set up. Bizarrely, there were many, many, many companies vying to have uh, vaccines. And it, I quote at one place where there, were, where there were hundreds of companies vying to do drugs, but Fauci's favorite drug company, the making a drug, was, was Remdesivir. And he picked a drug that was known to have a yes, kill a percentage oh, of patients. Stuff. Yeah, it's doctor, the same thing all over again. We had Dr. Artisan. That was a, it's a terrible drug. Good. Terrible drug. It's a terrible drug. Terrible. And I go over that in the book. Do you? Uh, yeah. Terrible. Yeah, that's a specialty for me is looking at that so-called control clinical trials. You can read trials. these things, yeah. yeah. Is it, it your understanding that these injection people, the Pfizer's and Moderna's and all that, that they have some kind of alleged... Um, um, Oh, well, immunity because of this law that passed during the Reagan years is do we know well this is what they have and this shocked me and made me realize they were they were they were worse than the psychiatric drug people the vaccine people <laughs> because they got passed a law saying they have immunity, immunity right? from being sued and the from being sued 
and the um, Congress passed this and set up a vaccine court in the federal government. So you have to go up against your own federal government to sue the vaccine companies. Right. Is that fair? No. Does it work well? No. It's, of course, horribly fixed. It has all these predetermined things that you can't sue for and things you can. And, it, and uh, it's just it's just a terrible situation. It's part of the whole, the whole globalist deal. suppression. Yeah. So now there when you talk to Renz, you're going to find out that there are probably ways around this because no laws cover fraud. Mm hmm far as i know i mean you I simply see. can't commit fraud so maybe there's ways around this and i'm hoping tom will invite me into a lawsuit on fraud against these people <laughs> <laughs> that's right invite me in i want to do no this charge. one with you and no charge, <laughs> no charge for you no charge you, this whole thing it just appears so swampy and i've been in the media it for over so 50 swampy. 50 years and i've never seen a media as discombobulated dystopian crazy as this Dr. Reagan. Yes. Never seen it. Just it's it's like out of control. These people have well, no. They know. just reflect the globalists. Yeah. This is they, they I do believe that we must win the November elections big because we are the only last bastion. Europe is not gonna do it. So you're, you're thinking we need enough votes cult. in the Senate. To, to stop this craziness until something to else. Stop the, yeah. yeah, because the yeah. next craziness is that Biden's going to want to sign a treaty, sure. an exact, yeah. an actual treaty. And again, what we just defeated with not treaties or regulations that probably the Senate would have trouble if it wanted to even go to the extent of saying is in our bailiwick. Now, ultimately, we need to withdraw from the World Health Organization. We need and probably sure. throw the UN out of New York. Of course. I know people say if you leave the UN, then they can operate on their own and we don't have any control. We don't exactly well, control, control now. Anyway. <laughs> no, I agree. And without the United States money and all that, both of these organizations, they, they die. And Trump knew that, right? He knew that. Yeah. He was he was right to pull out of the World Health he Organization, was. and he didn't even know about the stuff that that was cooking. First, these amendments, and now I mean, first, well, first it was the amendments. Then in the middle came these. Yes, sir. Uh, well, yeah. it was the. It's confusing, but the amendments and the treaties. He didn't even know about the amendments and the treaties. Right now, folks, it's the treaties we have to look out for. And then, any time in the next five months or so, four months, they could bring up the amendments again. This time, without even mentioning them to us, because they brought mm. them up before. Mm. I was talking to Ginger. That's their strategy. I didn't quite figure it out. Yeah. Now that they've already had the amendments brought up and sent to the the various nations that they have to do, and then they tabled them. So the real, the amendments making uh, a dictatorship out of who, they're just sitting in the background so they could bring them up again without any notice because the notice was given. That could be their argument. Oh. So we could, so look out folks. Look out, folks! They're gonna they're gonna drop those amendments on us again, and they're trying to get treaties. And yes, yes, the U.S. Will, unless we change the Senate, will approve that kind of treaty. Yeah. Has there been a, a great deal of pushback from uh, the Republicans in there on this WHO thing? To your understanding, not too not much. A really. lot. Not a lot. No, no. Senator Scott. Uh, did put in a mm -hmm. um, 
uh, an amendment, not an amendment. A uh, <laughs> he did put in legislation, mm, which it says I don't I don't know what it means. It says it was read twice into committee, Foreign Affairs Committee, um, to to call the amendments a treaty and to say the Senate disapproved of them. And uh, but it didn't go in until just about the day that the amendments were finally beaten. Did you see DeSantis um, in Florida? He said, "Man, I don't care what the WHO says; they don't have any jurisdiction here in Florida." And yes, this God this this may be where we're going, right? With Texas and Florida, Oklahoma and Tennessee and other places, just tell just tell everybody to leave us alone, and we're going to be Texans rather than whatever these people are. You know, yeah, this could be where well, we're it's going. going to bring a st- struggle between states and yeah, uh, yeah. the federal government. Yeah. Uh, we must get back the federal government in the next presidential elections, folks. Otherwise, it is going to be catastrophic. Yeah. We will be living uh, allegedly under the UN and who, but really under a Chinese communist growing empire. Yeah. That's the final conclusion of the book. And, uh, and it's it's so odd because there were plenty of books already written that Ginger and I didn't know about warning about the Chinese Empire, and uh, there's uh, we list a whole bunch of them. In well, our they're long term thinkers, as you know, and they're long term planners, and yeah, uh, they are. they've got a billion and a half people. To <laughs> well, Doctor Bragan, thanks for coming on. Uh, I hope you sell. Uh, uh, we'll do what we can to help you sell more books. COVID nineteen and the global predators. We are the prey, and we're going to put all of the different websites you mentioned on our show page so people can. You know, I'd love to have you back sometimes when things cool down. I'd love to talk about drugs and the mind and the spiritual components to all of this because that's really what I love talking about. My specialty, the the soul mind body connection. You know, and be fun sometime to do that. And the shootings too. We we actually wrote a book a long time. I wrote a book oh, a long yeah, time back yeah. called "Reclaiming Our Children," which was a response to the uh, Columbine shootings. And we had the same situation in the Columbine shootings as we have in these Texas shootings, which is the police didn't go in. They didn't go in, and they didn't go in. And we were very critical of that back then. And at the same time, there had been another invasion, this one of a corporation, I think, in Atlanta, and the police went in immediately yeah. and stopped it. And so we had these comparisons, and I talk, we, it was me at the time, I, I talk about these. Uh, so that's another thing we could come back and talk about at some Sometime. point, would be these school shootings and um, the psychiatric condition of the boys, because they're always the same. Wow. It's just a, really a sad psychiatric profile is it a a spiritual disconnect where we as a culture do not want to really talk about what's really going on with these kids and just the first thing we do is want to take away the guns i mean that seems like a real disconnect spiritually for as a culture isn't it it's a very big spiritual disconnect and um these boys are the products in many ways of the emasculation of young men Hmm by our culture, mm-hmm. which is we've been talking about and other people have talked about long before. You've written books going about this, back yeah. To, well, we have books here, Reclaiming Our Children, um, 
right now I think it's we COVID nineteen the global predators, but because that's the real crisis of now. But but the emasculation of boys, mm-hmm. um, including the aberrations within the women's movement which had some good things to say. God knows women needed to be empowered more. God knows there was domestic abuse and we still need to make police really alert of that and provide women shelters for that. So sure, sure. Uh, I really believe that, you know, men do abuse women oh, all the time. Yeah. We, we men abuse anybody and get their hands on, unfortunately. unfortunately. But, um, but the uh, turning completely against young boys and taking away their power has been a big part of the progressive movement because it further disempowers any of the energy, strength, and courage to stand up to them. Yes, sir. And it appears this whole trans thing has been planned for a long time, right? It's a part They've of been the working same on this things. Same, same people, same drill. Same it's quite bizarre. I know. Do you know, I'm going to leave you with one thought yeah. to ponder on. Uh, Soros? Yes, sir. George, George. Right? George oh, George, yeah, we know George. He's about 125. I don't know how he's still going, but he's still he's going. Still, he's still there. <laughs> but he, folks, epitomizes in many ways the global predator. Yes, sir. So if, if you think that Gates is cleaner, they go into, they've gone into business together, actually. Oh, good. That's one of the things I point out in the book. That, but George Soros amazingly is spending a lot of his money on this LG thing yep. Uh, yep. In, in countries or... Uh, uh, all over the co- countries, all, all over the, over the all world. Over the, really? why, why would he spend money on that? He thinks he really cares about the the gay people or the trans people in Africa. Not <laughs> in your life, the man doesn't care about anybody but his own power. And so that he obviously sees it as just as he supports Black Lives Matter in right. this country and supports uh, in this country attorney generals who won't prosecute criminals and set them free. It's all. A, it's all weakening well and destroying. Out. Yeah, well planned out. A giant squid. Out. A giant swampy squid, we like to call it around here. Okay, Dr. Bregan, take care. You're doing great work. And you look... Thank you, know, you sir. You, you too. I think you really could be Harrison Ford look-alike. I, when, I first, when you first came on the air today, I said, I think you look like Harrison Ford. I, well, I, I have to tell you, I don't know. How old is Harrison now? Oh, I, he's probably, I don't know, around 80, 80, something like that, 75 or 80. Just a young kid yeah. like, like we are. Just... Yeah, well, kids. so I so I don't know if uh, how much I look like him now. I would have liked to have look, looked like him <laughs> when I was younger. That would have been okay. With oh, me. you look great. How, how what is your uh, age now? Are you eighty? I'm eighty six. Eighty six. Ah, just a just a kid. Good for you. Well, you're doing great. Take care of yourself. And so join our, the movement, folks. It'll give you a new life. And give our love to Ginger. And thanks for your work. And uh, we'll, thanks a lot, Patrick. Thanks for coming on. Bye bye. Dr. Peter Bregan, Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. He's a real deal, hey? Yeah, he's got 20 books, and get this book one, and, uh, you know, and uh, you'll have a good time with it. And and uh, you, I think, I, I suspect there's an ebook there on Amazon. I'm not sure, but we'll find out. Bregan.com and a lot of different websites. So I will see you tomorrow uh, with Dr., or not Dr., but Attorney Thomas Renz tomorrow. We're not sure exactly the exact time, but we know he's coming on. Going to be at 10, 11, 12, something like that. You know, with the holiday, it's been kind of crazy around here. I lost my voice for mm, four days last week, as you know. And I'll leave you with why I lost my voice, which I think was kind of cool. Um, uh, the last two or three or four weeks, I've been mentioning on the air a couple times how, um, you know, I'm really getting tired of talking. Have you heard me say that? 
Well, you know, I've been working on my screenplays a lot. We're getting some, we're getting some notoriety from from different screenwriting uh, festivals and contests around the world, and and uh, it's kind of fun. So I'm getting pretty jazzed about it and working on our third screenplay. And um, so about the last month or so, every now and then, I was saying things like, and I am, you know, I am getting tired of talking. I've been talking for over 50, 55 years almost on broadcasting, so I am getting tired of talking. I shouldn't say that again. Uh, okay, I'm doing fine. No, I'm not tired. But anyway, so I, I was saying that. And uh, then one night, about last two Monday or Tuesday night, I just, my voice just went, oh, that was it. It's still not there, but, um, so you just be careful what you wish for, be careful of the words that pass your lips, because that's how we create our reality, and there's no doubt about it. Um, this is how it works. So God just said, "Yo, you tired of talking? Well, let me give you a break here. And so we were able to take a few days off and not talk. So there you have it. So be careful what you say and what you think. Very important. I love you all very much, Thomas, friends, tomorrow. Um, Fred will be by later on, and we'll probably have some other people this week. And um, I was kind of just working on the screenplay the last three or four days and didn't do a lot of guest digging, but we'll do that now. So I love you all. Thank you. Uh, Pass on the Peter Reagan link. Uh, It's a good one. We'll see you tomorrow on OneRadioNetwork.com. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.